Inside the locker room, he washed his hands and put on a gown, the ritual required to enter the devil's lair. Nico? Villard said, not even looking up. He glanced at the stainless steel table and the coroner's instruments before giving David Crivon a nod. The commander's face spoke volumes, and Nico understood right away. The little girl's body looked like a rag doll. And worse, her organs were piled on a nearby tray. We took pictures already, Villard said. I'm ready to start the external exam. Her assistant snipped off a lock of hair and scraped under the girl's fingernails. Villard swabbed her mouth. Nico listened to the medical examiner as she enumerated her observations. He focused on the words, trying to keep the sight from getting to him. The head, thorax, and abdomen all showed damage from a sharp object. The assault was brutal. Nico noted that Villard wasn't using any personal pronouns. It was the head, the assault, as if Villard, too, was trying to contain her emotions. He saw her blink several times. The force of the blows dislocated the cervical vertebrae. The eye sockets are empty, and traces of the blade are clearly visible. Villard grabbed a thermometer with a flexible probe and stuck it in the girl's ear, forcing it to reach the brain. Crivon took a step back and looked away. The body temperature is unusually low, less than seven degrees Celsius. After a moment of silence, Villard looked up, as if to make sure the others understood what she was getting at. She was frozen. Her waterproof green smock rustled as she leaned against the table and looked Nico in the eye. The autopsy is going to be tough and complicated. We're going to have to wait for the body to thaw. I imagine you have better things to do? Yep, Crivon said. His forehead had a sheen of perspiration, despite the glacial air conditioning in the room. You'll have my report as soon as possible. That was their signal to leave. Had Nico been a rookie cop, he might have figured an autopsy couldn't get any worse, but he knew better. He had seen his fair share of worse. He led Crivon out of the room. Give me the rundown, he said when they were back outside. He took in the overhead metro line, the honking cars on the street, and the acrid smell of exhaust fumes while he waited for Crivon to collect himself. Three students who'd had too much to drink were on their way home from a party, Crivon finally said. They needed to take a leak and decided to climb over the locked gates at the Square du Temple to piss behind a tree. That's where they found the body. It sobered them right up. No surprise there. I'm thinking the body got to the park in a suitcase. The team found footprints in the tracks of two small wheels. The rain we had yesterday evening will help us. The ground's still wet. Vidal's getting casts. The neighbors see anything? We're canvassing now. Keep me posted. Crivon nodded and hurried to his car. Nico looked at his watch. It was only nine o'clock. He'd swing home to shower and change. His clothes smelled like death. On the way to his car, images of the girl's mutilated body filled his mind. Who was she? Had she been reported missing? Were her parents searching the streets of Paris for her, or waiting by the phone, terrified that their child had been harmed? Nico shivered. He couldn't dwell on the victim. He needed to focus on the killer. What serious behavioral disorder could cause someone to inflict such violence upon a child? 
Had a pedophile done this? A twisted father, or a brother, or an uncle? He couldn't bear the thought. Ideas flashed in his mind, one after the other, like a slide projector, each supposition darker than the previous one. For now, he had no way to sift through them all. They piled up in his head until he felt like his brain would explode. As Commander David Crivon approached the Square du Temple, he could see uniformed officers crisscrossing the green space, their vehicles parked all around. The park, with its winding paths and colorful flower beds, dated back to Georges Eugène Haussmann's renovation of Paris. A fortress built by the Templars once stood there, and during the French Revolution, it was the site of a prison where Louis XVI and Louis XVII were held while awaiting their executions. These days, the Square du Temple, with its English landscaping, ornamental...